With the NBA Draft Lottery just a week away, the Trailblazers have announced who will represent them, and it's sort of a no-brainer. It's also a great choice, and it's a familiar one in Brandon Roy. Hello, welcome to the Sports by Northwest podcast. I'm Aaron Fentress. I cover the Blazers for the Oregonian and Oregon Live, and I'm joined by Coin Six's Brenna Green. Brenna, we were just talking before we did this podcast about if we should talk about who we think they should send to uh, Chicago next week. We both wanted to see Brooke Olsendam go, the queen of Rip City. But we also, last week, had talked about the idea of Roy. I think a lot of people have thrown that name around. So we just found out pretty recently. What do you think of the choice? I mean, we ended off last week's podcast with us talking about this. So it's only fitting that we are talking about this at the start of this week's podcast. Um, (laughs) I mean, I'm really happy. I'm really happy that they went with somebody that wasn't like on the, you know, front office side of the organization or, you know, somebody on the team right now. I'm really glad that they got somebody that the fan base, you know, obviously has a very strong connection to. Um, it's been pointed out a lot online uh, since this just broke about half an hour ago. That's uh, when we're recording this about half an hour after that broke uh, that, you know, Brandon hasn't had the greatest relationship with the organization uh, since they had to amnesty him or whatever that was called mm-hmm. back in those times. I think it was amnesty anyways, um, because of his knees. So uh, this is, this is an encouraging sign. Like, oh, yeah. okay, maybe there's maybe the bridge has been uh been is starting to get mended a little bit because you know his jersey isn't retired yet, all that sort of stuff. So um I'm hopeful that this is going to lead us down a a nice path in the future. Uh because Brandon Brandon hasn't had the world's greatest vibes towards the Blazers. So uh yeah, this is this is this is good news on on multiple fronts in my end. I think it's great that they decided to go with him since, you know, last time he went, he did get the number one pick. We can talk about that. What happened with that? We all, we all. Yeah. We'll that. get to that in a second. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you probably know what happened with that. Um, but, but I think it's, I think it's a good choice in terms of just, you know, breaking the mold a little bit, doing something a little bit different. And I think it's also good for the future. So this is, this is, this is a plus. This is great for me. You know, I, Brooke not going is, I I liked that pick, but I mean, I think that this has way more consequential meaning um, down the road for the franchise as well. And I think that's great. I agree with everything you just said there. It is a great choice. Uh, He's easily one of the most beloved players in the history of the franchise. It's uh, always been unfortunate what happened with his health, obviously, and he was not able to you know, live up to what he could have become, you know, beyond because he was just entering his prime, really. But he went to three all-star games, twice all-NBA, I think. Uh, The trio of him, Odin, and Aldridge. (laughs) The fact that that two of the three ended up getting injured. And then the third, who's around when Lillard's becoming a star, and then CJ's about to blossom, he bails. It's just just a tragedy that that, what happened with that trio. Uh, But people love Roy. And, um... He was such a great, I hate using the word ambassador, it's kind of corny, but he was. Like, he was just a great face of the franchise, you know. And I, and I remember uh, Zach Randolph was a really good player back then, and I remember the story that Roy basically went to management and said, Randolph's got to go, because he just didn't fit what, Rand, what Roy wanted to see the franchise be in terms of 
bringing the proper attitude to the court and to the to the game. <clears throat> so he was just one of those guys who wanted, you know, a, a professional franchise to play for, professional roster, do things the right way. And what I always loved about watching him play is that he very rarely made a bad basketball play. Like he was just so smart. He didn't take bad shots. He didn't make unnecessary passes. He was just so efficient. And I've always loved that aspect of the game more so than the guys who were just running around jacking up threes and just doing crazy shots and trying to be, you know, fancy pants, for lack of a better word. Roy was just like, I'm going to go out there and be efficient, be a dog, get it done. So I loved watching him play. So it was unfortunate. But to have him come back, like you say, like you said, represent the franchise in this way is awesome. But as you said, he won the lottery in 07. But was that a good thing? And you got another tall kid at number one. I see, I see bad jinx mojo there. No? Am I reaching? You know, I feel like I feel like we should just okay. We should just be happy. If he gets the number one pick, we should all just be happy and whatever happens, happens. I mean, I remember when they got the number one pick and how thrilled I was in that moment. You know what? And you know, you can't you can't predict the future. Um so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hammer too hard about like, oh well the last time it didn't really work out very well. Like, you know, <laughs> the Blazers have had a lot of things not work out well for them in their in their time so I mean you know that's just one of a long list of things as you mentioned even with guys leaving the team and other injuries like Roy's and not being able to get free agents and yada 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 uh so so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna harp too much on that I still still would have loved it to be Greg Oden because I think that would have been incredible but um Roy is is definitely it's it's like I said I think it's the the smarter pick probably long term uh for a lot of different reasons as I already outlined so uh so yeah I mean it's great to see him at least have some sort of affinity towards the franchise again and that's all that's all we can ask for right now that is all we can ask for I agree now you were a teen when Roy was running around on the court. I right? was. Yeah. Were you, were you a big Roy fan? So, okay. Can I talk about my favorite Brandon Roy memory? No, okay. not on this podcast. You cannot not on this tell podcast. favorite memories about legendary Blazers. That is not allowed, Brandon. Okay. Uh, I believe, <laughs> I forget what game it was. I forget if it was game five or game six um, against Dallas in the playoffs. And Roy was having mm. to like, take off games because his knees were so bad, blah, blah, blah. Blazers are down big to the Mavericks. This was my freshman year of college and it was over Easter break at Gonzaga, which like Easter break is like a four or five day break up there. Everybody goes home. I was like, I'm staying here. I don't want to go home. I want to hang out. And so, um, so there was not that many people in the dorm and I didn't have a TV in my, room so i had to go to the common room and roy leads this incredible comeback including hitting a having a four-point play which put them up it was like that was one of the craziest games i've ever seen a single player do especially mm-hmm. with the context of him i mean i believe it was the next season that he was waived so he was not not doing great 
and he just came in and it was like the crazy it it was it was kind of like his final like it it was like his grand finale in Portland. Like you knew it was coming to an end, you knew it wasn't sustainable, and this was his like last final gift to the city. And I remember like I was standing on top of the couch in our common area, which like anybody who was coming in and out of the building could see on the, on that floor. And I'm screaming my head off in the common area. And I'm sure everyone that was left at that door was like, what is going on? And I'm just like yelling. I'm like, yeah, Brandon! Yeah! <laughs> Losing my mind. So, um, so yeah, that is my personal like favorite Brandon Roy moment. It was crazy. They won that game. I believe they lost that series, but it doesn't matter because like on honestly, it really doesn't matter to me because that was so cool. So weren't they down 3-0 and came back to force it to seven? Or they're on three one and force it to seven. Obviously, it might have been three one. I think it might have been. Yeah. yeah. Was it? Uh, I'm gonna look it up while we're talking. What year? Was yeah. Two thousand. Uh, that would have been twenty eleven. No, twenty twenty eleven. No, it wasn't eleven. Twenty yeah. ten. Yeah. Yeah, it was twenty eleven because I graduated high school in twenty ten. So that would have been the next year. So it would have been twenty eleven. Okay. Yeah. Um. I think it might have been three. I, I, I remember our friends uh, at Pinwheel Empire made a video that had like all of his shots in it. And it's, it was, I, I watched that. Like if I ever need to get amped up, I mean, it doesn't, I haven't watched it in a while, but back in the day, I'd be like, oh, I'm putting the Brandon Roy video on. And I just watched that. And by the end of it, I'd be like on cloud nine. It was so great. All right. Give, give me the facts. Are you looking up the facts? Yeah, they lost 4-2. Um, yep. Let's see. I was going to say, I think it was probably game I five. They, I thought they forced a seven against them. I think you might be thinking of a few years before that. Um, that was that was also, yeah, it was against Dallas. And then Was there a year when they were, they were down 3-0 or something like that and came back? I I'm think so, yeah. That, I? I was in, I was, it was, it was in the, like, early 2000s, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then they lost game seven. Right. Okay. Yeah, and I also don't even think we were able to watch Game Seven, which like tells you everything about the mid two thousands. Like it like wasn't on here or something. I don't remember. Anyways, so was that I before get... Roy? Then was that before Roy? Yeah, it was before Roy. I think it was. Anyways, I can't find it. Bonzi Wells was on that team. I don't know why that. There I think Bonzi. Oh yeah. O two o three. O two o three. Yeah, yeah. Bonzi um, Wells was. I I, I don't know so why I remember Bonzi so... Wells. What'd you say? Okay. So that was before Roy. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. So, yeah, game now, one, Dallas we won went game into one, the dark times. Dallas won game two. Yeah. Yeah, Dallas won the first three. And then the Blazers won one, two, three in a row, and four to seven and lost at Dallas. Okay. Yep. So, yeah, I was off by five years. <laughs> Okay, so um, Roy's going. Hap, huh? I eight? said eight. Was it more like eight? Come on. Eight? Gosh. Anyway, yep, I was off eight years. Yeah. We'll delete this out. Anyway, um, <laughs> if you're off by a decade, what does that mean about your memory cells? So I know we're not doing mock draft stuff. We're going to try and do some a little bit of – we'll save the mock draft stuff for after the lottery. Um 
Let me just ask this. There's a lot of excitement around this, obviously. Is it better to go into this lottery fully expecting that they're probably going to stay where they are or maybe fall a notch? Or is it mentally healthy to go into this lottery thinking, man, we can, we're going to win number one. We're going to get it. Or is that just letting yourself setting yourself up for a, a painful downfall? Because they only have a 10.5% chance of winning it. How are you going to approach this? Okay, so I, I received a bit of, oh gosh, it must have been my sophomore year of college. I'll never forget it. I received a bit of advice from um, a guy that lived on the same floor of my dorm about how he lives his life. He said, mm-hmm. I live my life cautiously optimistic. And I, that's kind of my thing, but go ahead. I always was like, that's smart. So, okay, you live your life with like a positive outlook, but you're never going to let yourself get too high on something because you're going to use caution. So, no, there it's, there's, I mean, we can all hope and pray. I mean, we can all be like, oh yeah, like, you know, I, I would imagine, you know, let's, let's just have a moment of complete sincerity. Okay. Um, having Victor Wembanyama would be, is a good thing for us journalistically as well. Like that's a great thing for us in our careers. Probably. I shouldn't say probably definitely. Okay. So yeah, yeah would we all, like, yeah, <laughs> we would all like to have, we would all like to have them get the number one pick, but going in there, you know, being like, I mean, it's kind of like, okay. It's kind of like Bronny James. I was like, it'd be cool if Bronny came to Oregon. I know that it's probably not going to happen, but you know, like it'd be cool. So, uh, and then when it didn't happen, I was like, well, that's fine. I'm good. You know, like I knew, I, I I mean, I, I knew at that point it wasn't going to happen anyways, but like, I I think that's just how you have to, that's, that's, that's my, my bit of life advice to the fine listeners of our podcast today. Live your life cautiously optimistic. You cannot get too high or too low because yeah, you don't want to, you want to go in this thing crush. Now, do you want to be rooting for number one? Yeah. But just, you know, don't let it dictate your life. So there you go. There's, there's, there's my, my life lesson. I didn't know I was going to bestow today, but what are your feelings on it? Um, so when the Bulls won the lottery in, was that 12 when they won Derrick Rose? 2011 or 12? <clears throat> oh, no, no, that was eight. Sorry, 2008 lottery. So I'm off again my ears. So I didn't go back and brush up on my history because I'm just all over the map today. So they had, they had really low odds of having a chance to, to win that. And so I didn't expect them to win it at all. Um, but I always did this thing where I would record it, right? <clears throat> and so, and this was, I, this might have been before I even had a DVR. It might have been a VHS. No, it was a DVR. I, I can't, it doesn't matter. And so what I would do is I'd pause when it came to the pick where the Bulls were supposed to pick. And then I'd play it in slow motion as they reveal. <laughs> so frame by frame, I'm looking to see if it's a Bulls logo or not. And then it wasn't. And I was like, holy crap. And I just went nuts. But I went into it fully expecting there's no way they were going to win it. As a matter of fact, the GM at the time, uh, uh, Paxson, 
reportedly, like he didn't even watch. He didn't even watch the lottery. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden his phone blew up. It was like, we're in the top three. We're not, so then he watched it. Uh, so that's how I approach that. In other years where the Bulls had a chance, had a more, you know, a more realistic chance, like the Zion year, especially, and it was like three years in a row they, they had a seventh pick. Um, those I definitely watched with a lot of like, come on, baby, come on, especially yeah. like for Zion, even though that obviously hasn't worked out. For yeah, I was going to say, jeez. So uh, but, um, and those I did the same thing though. It was like, you know, just hope and hope and don't be there. Don't be, ah, then the Bulls logo comes up and it's so deflating. So last year I went to the lottery and I watched it live in, in the theater, like sixth row or something. Dane was up there and I filmed it to film Dane's reaction. But like, I was like, man, they got a shot. This would be really cool. Blah, 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 blah. And when the Kings jumped them, <laughs> it was so, like, I, I felt deflated because I kind of got caught up in, in the uh, lottery fever. You know, I saw Dane before and oh, we were chatting yeah. up. I know, especially when you're there. Yep. Uh, and then it was just like, uh, I, it's such a, it's so deflating. And then I just left the arena, left the theater. I didn't even bother for the rest. I had to go right anyway. Um, so I'm going into this one. And like you said, journalistically, yeah, it's it's cool if they win number one. As a matter of fact, Craig Burnback and I just did a Blizzard's Focus podcast. And he talked about how in 2007, he was up for the job at KATU. And he had applied for it and already interviewed twice. And he was in his office where he was working. I can't remember where. When the Blazers won the lottery. And no one there knew he had applied for the KATU. KTU job. So he had to hold in his emotions, but he was all jacked up thinking, man, I could be going to Portland to cover Greg Oden and Brandon Roy and Aldridge. Oh my God, this is going to be amazing. Whoops, turned out not to be amazing. But journalistically, he was thinking this is going to be awesome. So yeah, if they won this pick, it would be amazing for us, right? It just would be incredible to cover something like that, especially if it works out, especially if three years from now, you got Ant, Sharp, and women, Yana, and maybe Dame's still around, who knows, and they're contending for a title. You know, that would be amazing. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm pulling for them, but I'm realistic. They have an 89.5% chance to not get it. So my expectations are that they're not going to get it. And if they get it, hallelujah, just like 07. If they don't, I'll be, eh, I didn't think they'd get it anyway. I wonder what the odds were in 07 for them. Because I, I I know it wasn't it wasn't high in 07 either. I mean it was a total surprise. Both them and the Sonics being one two were a total surprise. Let me see if I can find that. Maybe Aaron's uh, Aaron's our podcast researcher. They were today. they were five point three percent. The Blazers were double, double. double there you yeah. go. Double Here you go. Time. We're just gonna give everybody some more false hope. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> but hey, I mean, you know, he's, he, Roy Roy had a five percent chance last time. He had ten percent chance this time. Easy money, easy money for him. So, yeah, exciting. Anything else on the draft we need to talk about now? Nah, probably not. No, we'll uh, we'll <laughs> we'll wait until after next Tuesday, and then we'll 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 have plenty to discuss for the coming weeks. I have. I know. Feeling. I know. Might as well wait for the lottery. Uh, but another Blazers topic, um, Shaden Sharp. You know, they took him with the lottery pick last year. Man, he was exciting to watch this season. Young, potential superstar there. Uh, but for the Blazers to contend, it 
with Dame, it might mean having to trade Shaden. So we watched the, you know, the rise of this young kid who was pretty unknown because he didn't play at Kentucky. And it was a pick that Toronto reportedly turned down as a centerpiece of a trade for OG. I think they would do OG for Shaden right now in a nanosecond. Um, so that worked out for the Blazers. They were smart not to give that pick and all the other things that Toronto reportedly wanted, which was like, I think they wanted two other first and a player or whatever, um, <clears throat> is what I was told back then. So given how good Shaden looks like he's going to be, how painful would it be in your eyes to trade that kid, even if it meant getting a dude who would make the Blazers, a, 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 like I would say, at least a for sure top five seed? Well, I just I just want to add as an aside before we get into this, that um, Shaden not making all rookie first or second team. Shame. Shame, shame, I, I vote, shame. I voted him. I voted him second team. Yeah, he should have been second team, but you know, life goes on. I guess so. Um, I, I mean, you know, it's it wasn't surprising, but uh, that's going to be something that is going to be in a few years. I think people are going to be like, "Wait, he didn't make the rookie team? What?" Well, he didn't. Pl- the, the problem. So when I when I looked over the the top rookies mm-hmm. and made and casted my ballot. Um, the problem is like most, most players taken in that range are going to teams where they have a really strong chance to play a lot. Yep. Right. And he was going to a team that had tanked to get into that position, but was going to return playoff caliber talent, Mm -hmm. whether they made the playoffs or not, you know, that's another story. So they went into this thing trying to make the playoffs. So Shaden had to earn his minutes. So, you know, for most of the season, he was playing bench minutes. They were inconsistent, et cetera, et cetera. So his overall stats weren't that impressive. Um, but when I looked at some of the players who had better stats, they played way more minutes, and their stats per like 36 minutes or whatever, or their overall shooting percentages or efficiency, or even you know when you watch them, they weren't nearly as impressive. Um, so to me, some like he got 36 second place votes. I was one of them. So obviously 35 other people saw the same thing. And then he got a ton of third. Well, was that third? I can't remember if it was third. Anyway, yeah, I think it was third. Uh, but he um, he definitely was a top 10 rookie. Like in my mind, I remember debating early in the season about uh, Matherin in Indiana and someone saying that clearly he is a better prospect. Look at his numbers. I'm like, dude, he's playing. But he wouldn't be playing a lot on this team like Shaden wasn't. So I just think from sheer talent and ability and then what he showed the last month, like to me, he's a top 10 rookie. And so I had to put him on there. Um, and that's why I did. And some of the other guys who went ahead of him, I just like they played more and they put up better stats in because they had more minutes. But they like those teams would trade those guys for shade. But some of those guys, in the, especially in the second team, some of them would trade straight up for shade tomorrow. And the Blazers would not. The Bla- As a matter of fact, if you looked at the top 10, the only player they'd probably trade him for would be Boncaro. I don't even know if they, like, who, Ivy, no, who else? Like, I, I don't think they'd trade Sharp for anyone but uh, Boncaro. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to, it's going to really, um, it's going to be a really interesting few weeks, to say the least. You know, it, it's funny, though, just like, I guess when when you say, you know, stuff like, you know, how, how difficult would it be if uh, they traded um, if they traded Sharp? And I just think back to this time last year and 
the absolute preposterousness. I think that might be a word I just made up, but whatever. Of <laughs> somebody saying that, saying how crazy would it be if they, you know, how difficult would it be if they traded Shade and Sharp over Ant? Because Ant this time last year, his stock was high. You know, people were people were pretty excited about him. So, and that's, it's really not any sort of shade on Ant at all, really. It's just that Sharp just had a, you know, just showed, he showed a gear that Ant just doesn't have. Um, And that's what it is. But the fact that, but the fact that we're able to sit here and say, how difficult would it be to trade Shade and Sharp, obviously implying that, you know, if there were a trade, it would then be Ant that would be going. That's, that's a good sign for the Blazers that at least they have two picks Two guys that are, you know, tradable assets and they both play the same position. So if one gets traded and the other doesn't, we're probably okay. They're probably okay. Um, but the fact that we're sitting here, you know, having that discussion is um, says a lot about Shaden and how far he has come uh, this year. So, um, yeah, it would be it would be tough to see Shaden go. However, we have to remember. I, you know, I think I think we're at a point with this franchise. Um, I'm not going to swear on this podcast, but it's kind of ant eh, or get off the pot. You know what I mean? Um, it's it's time, especially for Damian. And um, if that means having to trade somebody like Shade and Sharpway to get somebody in here who can win now. I, I, you have to do it. You absolutely have to do it. You have to do it. Damien has done everything for this city. He has done everything for this franchise. I, I don't, I don't care if you, if you have, if you only have five players who can play the whole time, as long as they're, you know, high caliber guys who can win a championship with Dame. Like, like, yes, like get them, like, let's do this. You know, I mean, you don't want to completely mortgage the future, but, and I don't think Damien would want that either. But uh, it, you know, you, you gotta. He probably has three to four years left in his window, really, realistically. So you you got to do what you got to do to make it happen now, and that that's just where I'm at. Yes, would it stink to trade Sharp? Sure, but it's gonna. In my eyes, it's gonna stink even more if Damian Lillard doesn't have a legit shot at winning a championship here. Hundred percent. When you haven't won a championship in 45 years, you do everything you can to win a championship and you don't care about the future. The Blazers have been chasing the future for 45 years. Like it's always about, you know, chasing the future and then things have gone wrong. So if if they can get a deal that makes them where, where the deal's over and everyone's like, oh my God, they're top two in the West. Like there's no way they're not going to be top two in the West. They're going to win 55 games. Like that kind of deal, done. And you worry about this other stuff later. If you don't win, you don't win. And Sharp's good somewhere else. Oh, well, guess what? You're going to suck and go back in the lottery. You can draft another Shade and Sharp at some point. Um, but there's no guarantee Shade and Sharp is going to carry you or lead you to a title in six years. There's no guarantee of that. No. There's no guarantee that he's going to stay healthy. There's no guarantee that he's going to want to stay in Portland. Right? There's, there's zero guarantee there. So if you can make a deal that gets you close to a champ, championship, then you do it and worry about the rest later. Because there's too many things that go wrong in the NBA. I mean, just just look at Memphis right now. <clears throat> Memphis was the two seed. They have one of the most promising, athletic, entertaining guys in the NBA in John Moran. 
And what has just happened? They fell apart. That guy was in trouble, suspended. I'm not saying Shaden's going to do any of that stuff, but Shaden's 19. We don't know what Shaden's going to be like in 22, 23. We have no clue. I'm not saying he's going to be like Ja. I'm just saying you don't know. No one knew Ja was going to be doing this knucklehead nonsense, you know, a couple years ago or last year or even six months ago. So there's so, and then Zion's injured, that same draft. Trey Young is a nice pick and player, but, you know, he's inefficient. Uh, Luca averages a triple double, went to the West Finals last year, this year. What happened? Fell to pieces. Like Kyrie was great. Now, you know, there's so many things that go wrong with so many can't miss stars in the NBA. When you have a guy like Dame who does every single thing right and acts like an adult, you do everything you can to try and win around that guy and you worry about the rest later. I would trade everyone on this damn roster and not even blink. I'd trade, I'd trade the number one pick. I've already said that. If I get the right deal for the number one pick, I'm trading because I don't know, A, if that kid's going to stay healthy. B, if he's going to develop, or C, if he's going to stay in Portland, or D, even if he is great, is he going to win? We don't know. Durant didn't win in OKC. KG didn't win in uh, Minnesota. LeBron left Cleveland, then came back, but he didn't win originally. Most stars, Anthony Davis didn't win in New Orleans. Like, there's so many guys you can point to who ended up being great and didn't win with the teams who drafted them. So we don't know what's going to have to happen with Victor. But if I can get a deal for Sharp or Victor or anybody that that makes the Blazers a top two contender tomorrow, done. I wouldn't even blink. And scene. End scene, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. We are in agreement. <laughs> All right. Mm. <clears throat> Sorry. Let's move on to this Lakers Warriors series. I want to talk about this because it's great theater. Having LeBron and Curry up there in age, two of the greatest players of all time. Uh, I got LeBron top five, Curry top 15. I don't think he's top 10. All this top 10 nonsense is ridiculous because you can't tell me who you're going to take out of the top 10 to put that kid in there. But definitely top 15. Amazing to watch. He had a beautiful game last night with the passes. He was making 14 assists, I think. I love that type of game more than the jacking up threes. That That's impressive to a certain extent, but it gets old to me. Uh, anyway, they lost anyway, down 3-1. What have you made of this series so far? Uh, Steph Curry and everybody else. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just it's been it's been rough. It's been up and down. It's uh, Steph his his bench right now is is rough. I mean, I know Clay had a good game a few games ago. Then he, you know, has some bad games. It's just it's it's hard when you don't have anybody to. Um, when you don't have a reliable second option right now, because it feels like it's kind of something different every night. I mean, Jordan Poole gets pulled out of the starting lineup. By the way, sorry. I'm sorry. We got to talk about this. Did you see that Gary Payton puked in his mouth in the middle of the game? I refuse to watch it. Okay. Well, there you go. <laughs> so I, 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 didn't not- I didn't notice it during the game, but I saw people talking about it and putting it the video, and I just refused to watch. It's not, it's not gross. Like you don't see anything come out. Um, but it's, I was like, what, what is happening? Um, uh, yeah. Um, one of the more bizarre things I've ever witnessed happen on like during a game. Uh, and, and he just, he just pulled himself right out of the game. He just, the, they got possession and he walked straight to the bench. Like I'm out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, there's been a lot of, um, a lot of, there's just been a lot of moving parts for the Warriors and there is no consistency outside of Steph and that's just not going to work against a team 
that has LeBron. Um, you know, and I know that there's been a lot of inconsistency on that side too, but it feels like they at least have one guy every night who kind of steps up with him. Whereas the Warriors haven't had that secondary option a lot of times. So that that's really where, where things have gotten, I think, rough for them in this series. I mean, that pass from Draymond last night was atrocious. <sighs> what are we assumed, doing? He's, was it Clay? He's assumed Clay would be open, and, and the Lakers totally read the play. Yeah, totally read it. I don't even know if he was technically passing it to Clay at that point. I think he was passing it to another guy to pass. Are it you talking about the one in the corner? Mm-hmm. No, you don't. That, okay, yeah, I thought, I'm talking about the, the one in the, their final, their final possession that they had a shot in it, and then they they got a you know a hell ball or whatever, and a jump ball, and then, uh, and then the Lakers got it. Okay. Yeah, when he was he was Draymond was driving in the key, and then kind of threw it to it. Threw it to the corner. Did he throw it to? I don't know. If Maybe I'm just... thinking of a different play, but the, the play I'm thinking about, Clay goes to the corner. LeBron read it. Told Anthony. Davis yeah. to the corner. Davis runs to the corner, and Draymond drives, and then just throws it to the corner, assuming Clay would be open. And, and I think he was throwing Davis. it to another player though before he. Oh, was you think so? Corner. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There was another guy that he was throwing it to to throw it to Clay because because oh, Davis okay. had cut off Clay. Oh, um, but okay. there was another player on. <laughs> done. <laughs> that was on that on the Warriors player um, who he tried to pass it to. So, yeah. Anyways, it's just. I will say. I, well, okay. Here's a good question. Who are you rooting for? I'm torn. So before before I get to that, uh, you mentioned like not having second yeah. options. So Clay in the game they won. Clay was 11 for 18, eight for 11 on threes. Last yep. night though, three for 11, three of nine on threes, uh, and then two nights ago, five of 14 from the floor, six turnovers. In game one, you know, nine for 25, but he was six for 16 on threes, which is 37.5%. That's solid, 25 points. But still, he missed a ton of shots because he was nine for 25 overall. So, yeah, Clay hasn't really been showing up. Curry's been pretty consistently great. Um, <clears throat> as far as who I'm ringing for, man, this is tough. Because before the series, there was some people talking about Curry's better than Magic, which just really pisses me off because Magic's my favorite player of all time. Uh, <clears throat> so there's definitely a part of me that doesn't want Curry to win. Uh, but then, of course, I've been having this LeBron-Jordan debate now for years. <laughs> and so it's a big part of me that doesn't want LeBron to win. So I've been kind of torn in this entire thing. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't think I care. I just don't want either of them to win a title. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, look, someone's going to win this series, and then we'll just root for whoever plays them next. Right. Like. Like, it's like inevitably someone will win and then whatever team wins out of the Suns and the Nuggets will root for them. Right. So. I think if I had my choice, though, it would be Golden State because. I agree with you. Um, yeah, just because of the the LeBron, Jordan thing. And I think Curry, two of Curry's titles to me are pretty much worthless. The ones with Durant are just worthless as far as I'm concerned. Okay. Um, uh, I, I will say this, just as somebody who was born and raised a Blazers fan, it's 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 really antithetical for me to root for the Lakers. So um, I just, yeah, that's, that's kind of where I kind of have to draw the line. So there you go. All right. <laughs> okay. Um, Jokic. Yeah, speaking of speaking Jokic, of Nuggets and Suns. Jokic shoved Suns owner know. Matt Ishbia. Ishbia is correct, yeah. Ishbia? Did he shove uh, him? 
Yeah, I mean, he gave him a forearm, a minor forearm shiver. So the ball goes into the front row. Uh, Ishbia ends up with it, doesn't immediately give it up, then loses it, then kind of moves forward into Jokic, gets a invades his space a little bit more, and Jokic, I think, just instinctually just gave him a little forearm, like back off, like, don't get so close to me. And then it's one of those things where. People react to one thing while ignoring the other thing. And if, if someone crowds you, especially if you're playing, you're playing basketball and people are bumping all the time and stuff, and you kind of you give you give these little these little forearm shoves, get people off you. It's just part of basketball. And so when this fan, and yes, at the time the owner becomes a fan once the game starts. His the fact that he owns a team is completely irrelevant <laughs> in terms of how opposing players should deal with a fan grabbing the ball or invading his space. Uh, you know, but players also have to be careful regardless because as soon as you make any kind of contact like that, you never know what could happen. Uh, someone as big as Jokic pushes or shoves the wrong person, that person could fall backwards, hurt themselves. You never know. So I think the fine of 25K was fine. I mean, that's pocket change for him. It just at least put something on the books. I'm glad they didn't suspend him. That would have been stupid. I thought it was hilarious that some idiot fan walked up there and like shoved Jokic on the arm as if he was like, I had to, I had to come in there and get my little shove in and show that that was right. Like, what are you doing, dude? Get your ass out of here. I'm glad they kicked his punk ass out. I hate it when people do that. No one needs to be inter- getting involved in interviewing with any of this stuff. So I thought the NBA hadn't looked properly. I'm... Uh... The fact that the referee even came out and said a suspension was on the table was ridiculous and ludicrous and whatever. I mean, the NBA knew if they, I mean, even Ishbia came out and said he didn't want Jokic suspended. Like they were never going to suspend him. They, they, the amount of, the amount of backlash they would have gotten for that would have been insane, insane. So, I mean, I, I never even really entertained that it was going to happen because I knew that the NBA knew from a PR look it was going to look real bad and they were not going to do that. Um, and, you know, Ishbia's Ishbia and whatever. And, I mean, he like I said, he didn't he didn't want him suspended either. So uh, kind of felt like much to do about nothing about that suspension. I, I knew the moment it came out. I was like, oh, that's cute. That's not going to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean... You know, I, I kind of feel like Ishbia's, and this is not excusing it whatsoever, but, you know, he did play at Michigan State. He played basketball at Michigan State. And sometimes you have, like, this thing ingrained into you as a competitor, especially someone who competed at basketball in a high, at, at a high level, um, where, like, maybe your instincts take over a little bit. And I think they kind of took over a little bit in that moment. <laughs> Between holding on to the ball and then flopping. You know, these are things that are just kind of getting ingrained into you. Uh, and so I think it was kind of an instinctual moment for him. Uh, that's not to say that it was okay. I mean, you know, you know whatever. It is it is what it is. Like, he held the ball for two. He, he held the ball like it was, you know, his, his, his lunch. And like it was his lunch money. And, uh, and he, you know, that's stupid. And then he flopped, which was also, I mean, I, at least I'll say this pure comedy. I mean, I, I, 
thank God Twitter is around for nights like that one. I mean, <laughs> incredible content. Thank you all for your contributions to society. So, uh, so yeah, but I, I just think it was kind of a moment. It happened. And the stuff that resulted from it was just much ado about nothing. And I'm glad it's over. And can we move on to the next game? <laughs> you know. Agreed. Speaking of which, we got in that series. It's 2-2 now. The, the Suns lost the first two games, then lost Chris Paul. And they've won the last two without Paul, which, you know, at first I was thinking, man, that could really hurt them. But Cameron Payne's a pretty solid point guard. He's very he's athletic, more athletic than Paul, uh, faster than Paul. He can push the pace. So he does offer you something that Paul doesn't necessarily offer you. And you still have Booker. And Booker's been ridiculous. And then, of course, playing with Durant. So this series is up for grabs. Who you got? I, I got to go Nuggets. I got it. They got home court advantage. I got it. I got it. I got to go Nuggets. Yes. All right. I'm, I'm leaning. I came in thinking my whole thing was Phoenix wins, this, wins the title if everyone stays healthy. And the fact they've overcome two games without Paul, if they can if they can win game six at home. Well, I think he's supposed to miss three, four, five. So he's going to miss five. If he's back for six, they can win that at home. Even if they lose game five, go back to Denver. Seventh game is going to be a toss-up. But like you said, Denver would have home court advantage. All right, moving on to pop culture, our final segment here. And uh, we were kicking around. Well, we weren't really kicking around ideas. We were struggling to come up with some good ideas. And you mentioned the coronation, the crowning of King Charles, which I thought had already been done. Uh, And we both moaned and groaned about it and thought, let's talk about this. So on a scale of one to 10, how much do you care with 10 being the right. Here's the perfect synopsis of this for me. So when Harry and Meghan got married, I was living in Reno. I stayed up with one of my friends from like 3 a.m. onward. I think we'd all gone out that night. Anyways, but we stayed up and watched them get married. Like, you know, I fell asleep a few parts, but, you know, oh, well, you know, it was in and out. I anchored um, Friday night. Yeah. So, I mean, I was up still around 2 a.m. Because it's, you know, when you anchor the news at 1130 at night, it takes a little while for you to, like, come down, you know, get your bearings, be able to go to sleep. I was up. So I was was up around 2 a.m. when coverage started. And I was like, nah. (laughs) No desire. Did not turn it on was like i will see whatever happens the highlights tomorrow <laughs> and you want to know what the most interesting thing of the whole thing was um william and kate's five-year-old lewis louis whatever his name is um who was just acting like a five-year-old the whole time which i thoroughly appreciated uh that was that was like the best content was their son just acting like a kid and kind of like joking around the whole time and not realizing how serious or, you know, how serious I put in air quotes because it's a monarchy here, ladies and gentlemen, um, that, uh, that it all was. So, um, so yeah, I mean, and then I also found it, I mean, this is how much people in that country don't really care about it. They couldn't even get English people to perform at the coronation concert. They got Katy Perry and Lionel Richie. 
Okay. <laughs> That's how much people there are like, I'm out on this. I'm out. Well, you you got to get two Americans. You got to get two people from a country that fought a war against you to get out from under your thumb to come over and then sing at your coronation. So um, I found that to just be uh, incredible content. So like Ishbia and, you know, the, the Ishbia and the fact that Americans had to sing it in English, uh, English coronation. Great stuff. So uh, yeah. And, and then also like Charles is just, a boring human being to begin with and stale and not a, not a, not, not well known to be a, a nice, warm, loving person. So, um, so yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty out on it. And like, like you said, you, you thought the coronation already happened. So that's how out on it you were. So I, <laughs> I remember when Diana and Charles got married when I was a kid. And I remember seeing it on TV and I'm like, who are these people? I'm like, what? 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 Prince? Princess? What? 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 I just didn't get it. And I didn't really care. The only reason why I ever developed any type of interest at all in Princess Diana was because she was BFS with Michael Jackson. <laughs> so they were... They were buddies. Uh, <clears throat> there was a funny story where M- when Michael Jackson sold out Wembley Stadium like seven or eight times, like set a record for selling it out, and Princess Diana and Prince Charles came to one of the shows, he didn't perform the number one hit, Dirty Diana, <laughs> out of respect for Princess Diana, who later told him, oh, no, that's one of my favorites, which, which I always found to be hilarious. So because of him, I learned more about her. And, it was, and I remember when she died, it was pretty tragic and the paparazzi thing and all the kind of things she went through and her interview with Martin Bashir talking about basically the horrors of being in her position uh, with that monarchy. So she became kind of a sympathetic character for, to me for that reason. And then, of course, she had the two boys. And so they would pop up every once in a while. And so I would think I would be a little bit interested in them only because of their mom and because of that connection with uh, the King of Pop. Um, but I, oh, and I also kind of felt a little bad and when I say it like bad, I don't really, like I felt bad. I just kind of like, would be, oh, that must suck to be the prince for that long, waiting to be king and your mom just won't die. (laughs) Is that horrible to say? (laughs) I mean, you know what? Honestly, with the, with the way that Carl kind of holds himself, it wouldn't surprise me if that thought gone through his mind. I mean, she lived to be like 265 years old. You know, Prince Charles was like, damn, mama, I want to be king. Anyway, now he's king. Good for him. He gets to be king. Whatever that really means. I'm not even sure I even know. It's just, you know, it's just symbolic. It just means he gets richer. Yeah, he just gets richer. And of course, you know, a lot of things keep coming out about the history of that country and and some of their dealings in Africa and stuff like that. So it's like a lot of that stuff just uh, makes me want to puke and that people in America care. It's just so crazy to me that people care, but you know, there's a fascination with royalty in general, I guess, I guess there is. So to each their own, but yeah, that's my linkage to the Royal family. If it wasn't for, Michael Jackson and Princess Diana, I wouldn't be able to tell you Jack. As for the whole Mark Hell thing, see that? Because she's 
was he like a quarter African-American or something like that? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that whole, like that, like piqued my, piqued my interest when she was saying that they were wondering what color the baby was going to be. Like, I'm like, whoa, what? What? They say, so like that got me a little bit interested just in that controversy. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just find the whole thing ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. This was, it's just, it's ridiculous to have a coronation in 2023. Like, come on guys. Like it's, it's played. I I would, I would not be surprised if this was like the last full blown sort of coronation thing. I could see them definitely dialing it back a little bit. Uh, whenever Charles passes on and it's William's turn. So. Well, yeah, it's, it's so, time. That's right. Cause so Williams, William is in line. Yes. Uh, has he talked about wanting to be king or not wanting to be king? I mean, I don't think he really has a choice. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's right. I, I'm, I'm sure you he's kind of just have to do it, right? Yeah. Unless you want to completely renounce yourself from the royal family, which, you know, that has its own uh, issues, as we've seen with Harry. So, um but. I guess it could be semi-interesting to see sort of how things go with a young king. Because they haven't, like, the, they haven't had a young king or queen in decades. Yep. Well, I mean. Queen Elizabeth was so old. No, she really wasn't that old. No, I mean, not, not when she became queen. When she became I mean, queen, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, since, like, she lived in her 90s, so the last 30, 40 years, there yeah. wasn't really Charles a young was queen four. or a young king. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, we haven't seen a young king or queen in decades. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I guess that would be semi-interesting. I guess I don't know. We'll see. All right, anything else? We covered a lot today. We did, we did, and we're gonna have a lot more to cover the next time we talk. So. Oh yeah, lottery. We're gonna be back next week, either going yay or going aw, and we'll have our first mock draft. We gotta mock it. Wait. Oh yeah. At least through the Blazers pick. Whatever it is, we got we gotta mock it through the Blazers pick. Okay. All right. All right. That is it for the Sports by Northwest podcast, which is supported by the Pacific Office Automation 147 coming June 2nd and 3rd to Portland International Raceway. Also, we have launched a subtext campaign where you can receive the text with hot takes and legit takes as well, and news and information from myself and Bill Oram, the columnist for The Oregonian. You can subscribe to this with a 14-day trial by texting 201-555-0123. Again, you have 14 days to check it out before you have to commit to actually paying any money. It's only $3.99 a month. You can respond to these texts and tell us how genius we are, or as someone just responded earlier and told me that I was posting clickbait, which is fine. I can take it. He was wrong. I corrected him. But see, you get corrected in real time by us personally, or you get praised for your take as well. Anyway, check it out. 201-555-0123. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week.